I, I like that thought that it ends well for the believer. And when you think about it, for the believer, this is the worst it'll ever get. No matter how bad things are now, this is the worst it will ever get because we promise glory. But for the unbeliever, this is the best they will ever get. No matter the trials and tribulations of this life, this is the best that they can ever hope for. Because after death, if they don't know Christ as their saviour, it gets a lot worse than what this world could ever throw at them. So if you were here tonight and you have never trusted Christ as your saviour, again, please don't put it off. Trust the Lord before it's too late. As we said last night, life is but a vapour. It's over in a moment. But eternity lasts forever and you will spend eternity in one of two places, heaven or hell. And God has prepared a heaven for everyone that calls on the name of his precious son. So it is exciting to be a Christian, um, but there's a challenge as well because so many of our friends and loved ones are unsaved. And we so desperately want to see them come to know the Lord as their saviour as well. And that's why it's important with how we live our lives, because so many people look at our lives and judge what Christianity is based on how we act, how we behave, how we talk, how we react. Um, you know, I, I like what Pastor said yesterday morning. You know, we talked about spiritual immaturity in the morning, and uh, you know, we are in the dark. That's who we are. When no one is looking, we talked about our true colours being revealed and. You know, when we're in the car and somebody cuts in front of us and that red mist comes up and we start shouting and bawling, that's who we are, because that's the natural man coming forward. But what we want people to see is Christ in us, because we're changed, we're different. So in order for them to see that, we have to grow in spiritual maturity. And yesterday we looked at what it was to be immature, then last night we looked at how to work on our boldness, boldness in speaking, boldness in talking to people about the Lord, boldness in our supplication, coming boldly before the throne of grace and being able to pray, boldness in our suffering that people might see Christ in our testimony, even in our darkest moments, and boldness in our sentencing that we fear not the judgment that is to come because Christ has already taken that judgment. And what I want to look at tonight is for us to be able to develop our faithfulness. As we grow in spiritual maturity, I want us to look at developing that faithfulness. And we're going to look at 1 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 2 as a springboard. We're just going to look at one verse and then we're going to look at a few different verses through the scripture and look at a few different people and have a look at this word faithfulness. 1 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 2. 1 Corinthians 4, 2 says, Moreover, it is required in stewards that a man be found faithful. Let's pray. Father, thank you again for this day, for this time together, for this opportunity to gather on a Monday night in this place to be able to praise and worship you. Father, we recognize the fact that as believers in Christ, we never reach a stage of spiritual perfection there's always a work to be done. We are literally a work in progress until that time that you call us home. And finally, we get to be uh, like Christ. But until then, we're not to be conformed to the image of this world, but we are to be transformed. And there's always an opportunity for us to grow. There's always an opportunity for us to work on some aspect of our walk, to work on some aspect of our witness, to work on some aspect of our being, Lord, so that we can have a testimony that not only glorifies you, but witnesses to those around and about us that Christ does indeed make a difference. 
So, Father, would you speak to our hearts tonight and help us to recognize that we can grow in spiritual maturity so that we might bring glory, honor, and praise unto thee and point others to the cross of Calvary, that they might see something of Christ in us. For we pray and ask these things in his most precious name. Amen. The word faithful is used uh, some 82 times in the scripture, and sometimes it is in relation to God, and, and other times it's in relation to us. And there are three different words used for faithful. And we're going to look at two Hebrew words and one Greek word this evening because they have ever so slightly um, different meanings. And the first Hebrew word I want to look at is found uh, back in Daniel chapter 6 and verse 4. Daniel chapter 6 and verse 4. It says, uh, and of course this is, um, we know that uh, Darius has has come into uh, Babylon and has taken the city and Daniel is about to be thrown into the lion's den. Uh, And this is what is preceding that. And it says in Daniel chapter 6 and verse 4, Then the presidents and the princes sought to find occasion against Daniel concerning the kingdom, but they could find none occasion, no fault, for as much as he was faithful. Neither was there any error or fault found in him. Now, this word faithful means to uphold, to stand fast, to be firm. Oftentimes, we are unfirm in our beliefs. Sometimes we can be coerced then by persuasion. Let me ask you this question, man. How how many times has... Your wife ever changed your mind on something? Maybe it's the colour of a room. This room needs to be wallpapered again, even though it's just been wallpapered about 20 minutes ago. Uh, And women have this incredible ability to be able to change our minds. And we're not man enough to stand up and say, woman, no. (laughs) This is not happening. And we, we... We like to say that we're the head of the house and we all know that the woman is the neck that controls the head. (laughs) Sometimes they can change our mind quite easily. My wife will say to me, right, I want to go shopping. I'm like, "Mm, I don't do shopping. I I am allergic to shopping. It it brings me out in a rash. It makes me go hot and sweaty. And sometimes I faint at the very thought of shopping. But she's very powerful in the areas of persuasion. So we go shopping. What a blessing. Sometimes I wish I could just stand firm. And my father said to me one time, he said, you a man or a mouse? I said, well, I really like cheese, so I don't know what that means. <laughs> and sometimes in our, in our Christian lives, too many Christians are a bit like that, where their minds are easily changed. And we're told to stand fast and to stand firm, and hold to the truth of the doctrines. But what happens today is because, for the sake of increasing the numbers in the church, let's water down the gospel a little bit so we can make it more interesting to people, make it more enticing to people, so it's not so judgmental, so we don't talk about hell, so we don't talk about sin, so we don't talk about judgment, we don't upset or offend anybody. Well, let me tell you something right now. If we preach that kind of gospel, there will be a lot of upset and offended people at the great white throne judgment who are happy to be sat in church listening to a fluffy gospel message, but were never convicted by the power of God's word because it was watered down. The church today 
is too easily swayed by public opinion. We're not meant to fit into the world. We're meant to stand out. Yeah, but things have changed. Things have moved on in the past 20 years. The world may have changed in the past 20 years, but the word of God hasn't. And the word will never change. Heaven and earth will pass away, but God's word will still remain the same. Daniel had an incredible testimony. He wasn't going to be swayed. He wasn't going to be a wishy-washy believer. And it all started back in Daniel chapter 1 with a simple decision. Daniel purposed in his heart not to eat the king's meat. That was it. Just a simple decision. He purposed in his heart. And because he made that simple stand in Daniel chapter 1, Daniel was able to head to the lion's den in Daniel chapter 6. We ought to be found faithful. We ought to have a testimony that stands the test of time. It was a great testimony for Daniel. They couldn't find fault in his, in his words. They couldn't find fault in his practices. He was a politician. Wouldn't that be great if we had a politician like Daniel today? Yeah, it, I don't know what it's like over here, but it does my head in back home when politicians stand in front of the TV and just happily lie without even dropping a beat. You ever ask a politician a question, they never give you an answer. What do you think of that? Well, the question you're really asking, well, no, that's not the question I'm asking, because the question I've asked just requires a yes or no answer. And everybody knows that that person is, is lying. But they could not find any fault against Daniel in that occasion. There wasn't no, uh, you know, Daniel... During his time in Babylon, you know, he used to have those secret parties with those other three friends of his. We'll get him. In fact, he had more than one party in Babylon, old Daniel. They couldn't find fault against him. They couldn't find any occasion to accuse him other than his faith. They said, you know what's wrong with that man? His faith. So let's get him on that. Could the same thing be said for us? You know, in work, could somebody turn around to us and say, oh, do you know the only problem with that guy? is the fact that he's a believer. You know the only problem with that woman? The fact that she's a born-again Christian. You know the problem with them? They love the Lord so much and it shows in their lives. Are we that kind of testimony around people? Paul said we are ambassadors for Christ. We're his representatives on earth. But do people see that in us? Or do we just blend in? We're not meant to blend in. We're meant to stand out. We're meant to stand up on times for our faith, for what we believe in. Whether therefore ye eat or drink or whatsoever ye do, do all to the glory of God. Darius was so impressed with Daniel that Darius was ready to make Daniel the most powerful man in Babylon next to him, next to Darius. And those in the court hated it because of his beliefs, because of his God, because of his testimony. The presidents and the princes sought to find occasion against Daniel concerning the kingdom, but they could find none occasion, no fault, for as much as he was faithful, neither was there any error or fault found in him. So what do they do? They assemble themselves together. They got together to 
harass Darius and to, to come up with a law so that they could trap Daniel because he was a good man, because he was an honourable man, and they hated him for it. What an awesome testimony he had. The fact that he stood out in amongst all of that paganism that would, would have gone on in the days of Nebuchadnezzar and Belshazzar and then Darius. He stood out. They scrutinized his life for faults and they couldn't find any. They looked for thorns, but all they could find was a holy fragrance. They looked for smut, but all they could find was saintliness. They sought sin, but all they found was the brightness of his character. The only way they could trip him up was because of his walk. Daniel was just faithful. And Daniel was faithful right the way throughout in chapter 1, in terms of not eating the king's meat, he was faithful to the word of God. In, in, in chapter 2, when uh, Nebuchadnezzar was going to have all the wise men in the kingdom killed because they couldn't uh, interpret his dream, Daniel was just faithful in trusting the Lord. And he said to Hananiah, Mishael and Azariah, boys, we're going to have a prayer meeting. Let's pray. And God revealed the dream to Daniel in the night vision. And then we see in chapter 3, Daniel's testimony rubbing off on the three Hebrew boys and they wouldn't bend and bow to the image. Just little things, little stands lead into an extremely big stand. They were faithful. Do we need to work on our faithfulness in our, in our walk, in our testimony? Do we need to stand fast? Do we need to be firm? Or do we kind of have like a chameleon attitude so that we blend in in work so that we laugh at the same jokes that everybody else is laughing at so that we talk about the same people just like everybody else is talking about are we the type of person in the workplace that people can come to and say oh did you see what they did oh let's talk about them and or would people say no I won't I won't go and talk to them about it because they always seem to do what's right they always seem to say what's honorable and moral and upright is there a faithfulness in our walk? If not, we need to improve on that so we can grow in spiritual maturity so that people can see our testimony because our testimony is so important. Daniel was faithful in his walk. They saw his testimony and as a result, Daniel stood out from the crowd. And then there's somebody in Nehemiah chapter 7. If you have a look at Nehemiah chapter 7 verse 2, we're introduced to a man by the name of Hananiah. Nehemiah chapter 7 and verse 2. It says, Then I gave my brother Hananiah and Hananiah, the ruler of the palace, charge over Jerusalem, for he was a faithful man and feared God above many. So the first faithful we looked at meant to uphold, to stand fast, to be firm. This faithful is a slightly different word and it means to be reliable, to be true. Now if I was to ask you what the book of Nehemiah was all about, what would you say? Rebuilding the walls. But that's only half the story. So for the first part of Nehemiah, it's all about... The people investing in the wall. But then the second part of Nehemiah is not the rebuilding of the walls, it's the rebuilding of the people and what happened inside of the walls. 
Nehemiah uh, had a city that was in ruins. They had this wall to prevent invasion, but inside was not just rubble from the walls, but was rubble left over from an unfaithfulness to worship God. In chapter 7, Nehemiah organizes the people. And uh, if, if you've ever done a study on the book of Nehemiah, I love Nehemiah. My wife always laughs at me because whenever I do a character study, I'm like, oh, I love Daniel. I think Daniel is an incredible character. And then I'll do a study on Joseph. Like, oh, I love Joseph. He's an incredible character. And I think Nehemiah is awesome. What, what, a, what a delegator. What an administrator. You know, the fact that they built those walls in just a matter of days. And they weren't master craftsmen, they, but he got the people together. You know, if we could have that in the church today, how incredible would it be? How much more could we do for the cause of Christ if we were able to bring the church together like Nehemiah did with all of these different people? We could do incredible things for God. Nehemiah calls uh, Hananiah's brother and another man by the name of, of Hananiah. And they had qualities. They had this faithfulness. We saw from our text earlier on, more in it is required in stewards that a man be found faithful. And maybe you were here today and you think, well, I, I don't really know where I fit in the church. We all have a place. We're all different. We've all got different personalities. We've got different abilities, different talents that God has blessed us with. But we all fit. And we're all meant to serve in some way or another. We, we've not just been saved to be able to come now and sit in the pews and say, right, come on in, pastor, bless us if you can. We've been saved to serve. Whether that's serving the Lord, whether that's serving one another, that, that's how the church is meant to operate. It is a body. We have to find where we fit in order to be able to serve the Lord. You know, we might not be talented enough to, you know, to play the piano or the organ. We might not be, have the ability to sit behind the sound desk and work all the computer. I did it one time. During lockdown, um, I went on the sound desk one time. And I will never, ever ever do it again and I will never shout to Josh our sound guy for when the hymn doesn't come up on the screen or when the, the mic is not working because it's the most stressful it is the most I think it's the most stressful position in the church even more than the pastor because nobody notices them until something goes wrong and then they get all the comments on Facebook and oh the sound is not working and then you'd all stood there waiting for the words coming, like, oh, the words haven't come up. 99% of the time, they just sat at the back there, happily getting on with things, and then when something goes wrong, the whole church kind of turns around. <laughs> it's like, really? We might not have the mindset to work on the sound desk. We might not have the ability to play the piano. We might not, you know, have the... Uh, the, the, the wherewithal to, to go into a Sunday school classroom or to teach the youngsters. But we fit somewhere because God has given us gifts, talents, abilities to be able to serve within the church. Uh, like Pastor said Sunday morning about the fact that the church has come together to help them uh, in a time of need and have, have cooked meals and have sent texts and have, have prayed and have offered the drive and 
That's how the church is meant to operate. It's not meant to be a, a building of people backbiting and fighting and arguing. And you know, I've been to some churches where this side of the church is not talking to that side of the church. And the argument has gone on for so long, they have no idea why. My pastor, Pastor Ed, was from North Carolina. And he took me to a church um, not far from his town. It was Hope Baptist Church. And the church split because of the colour of a carpet. The church split because of the colour. One half of the church, and I have no idea what the colour was. One half wanted red and one half wanted blue. And they split. So Pastor Ed drove me 300 yards down the road and there was another church. New Hope Baptist Church. And guess what? A few years later, they split. And another 500 yards down the road was another church. And do you know what they called themselves? New, New Hope Baptist Church. And you're like, what testimony does that give to a world that already thinks that Christians are bonkers? You know, we ought to be faithful. We ought to be faithful in terms of reliable, in terms of holding fast to our, uh, to our beliefs and uh, holding fast to who we are so that when people see us, they see a faithfulness. You know, we're meant to be like Christ. We are Christ-like. That's what Christian means, to be like Christ. And Christ was the most faithful person on this planet. Revelation 1.5 says, And from Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness? Revelation 3.14, These things saith the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of creation. Revelation 19.11, I saw heaven open, and behold, a white horse, and he that sat upon him was called faithful and true. He's living proof of faithfulness. You see that recorded all the way through his gospels. His life was consistently faithful to God his Father. Christ only ever wanted God's will to be done in his life. But we don't always want God's will to be done in our lives. We want our will to be done. My way. And that's not how it works. You know, people want to go to heaven, but they want to go their way. Because I'm a good person. Because I've done this. Because I've, I've given to charity. And I can see the conversation now. You can see somebody going up to heaven and saying, oh, I'm, can I come in? Well, have you trusted Christ as your saviour? No, but I, I gave to charity. You know, one time I gave, I gave £10 to, to help the blind. And then another time, you know, I gave £10 to, to this charity. And another time I gave £10 to that charity. And you can almost see Peter going, I'll go and, I'll go and talk to the Lord about it now comes back 20 minutes later and says, right, I've had a chat with the Lord. There's your 30 quid. Now clear off. Giving to charity is, is not going to get us into heaven. We go to heaven God's way. That's how it works. It's his will. And sometimes we don't want God's will to be done in our lives because we are just too comfortable with some parts of our older life. We want to hold on to some of those older sins because... That kind of made us feel good. And there is pleasure in sin. We know that Moses forsook the pleasure of sin for a season. But we ought to want God's will to be done in our lives. Does the way in which we live our lives please God? 
when we look at the Lord Jesus Christ and see that everything he did, everything he said, even in the conflicts, the Lord was faithful. Are we faithful? Are we reliable in that regard? I'm thankful that he's faithful to, to forgive our sins. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. I'm thankful for the fact that when we need wisdom, he's faithful to give it. If any of you lack wisdom, James 1.5 says, Let him ask of God that giveth to all men liberally and upbraideth not, and it shall be given him. I'm thankful that he's faithful to give us that wisdom. So when we come to the point of saying, Lord... I'm struggling in my walk, Lord. I'm struggling with growing in in maturity, Lord. I'm struggling in this aspect of being faithful in my walk and being faithful in my work, Lord. Would you help me? And the scripture says he's faithful to do exactly that. Lord, I I can't deal with this situation. I said that so many times when my girls were growing up. You know, they... I've got to be careful in case they... I don't think they'd be watching. But anyway, when they used to get under my skin, when they'd get on my nerves, I'd be like, I can't cope with this. Joe, sort your children out. So hang on. They're our children. When they're naughty, they're your children. When they're well-behaved, they're my children. Sometimes we're like, oh, I can't deal with that. And I think we get like that sometimes in our walk with the Lord. Oh, things are getting too difficult. I I just, you know, just bury my head in the sand and pretend it's not happening. But what we need to do is just be faithful to say, Lord, I need you to help me in that situation so I can get through it. So that this difficulty that I'm going through, you know, if you don't lift me up from my, or if you don't lift the burden from me, at least you can lift me up in the burden We need his presence. And he's faithful to promise to never leave us and never forsake us. God led Nehemiah to choose help, uh, helpers who were faithful. They feared God. They loved the Lord. If we love the Lord, we would be faithful to him. In all aspects of our lives, in all aspects of our walk. And that's something we can work on, that we can develop. You know, faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. The more we study the word, the more we're in church, the more we hear, the more we grow, the more faithful we become. And it's just like a, a, you know, it's just infectious, continuous. The more uh, we get excited about the things of God, the more we want to learn and the more we want to grow. It's like when a child first starts to ride a bike. You ever done that with your children? Oh, the famous holding onto the bike seat and shuffling along so that they don't fall because they don't want stabilizers on because that's not cool enough now because, you know, they're 18 and they should have learned to ride a bike by now. (laughs) Come on, you've just passed your driving test. You really want to learn to ride a bike now? But we do that and we run after them holding onto the seat and then bit by bit we kind of let go and before long... We do that thing where we're running alongside them. We're not actually holding the seat. And they're like, don't let go, daddy. Don't let go, daddy. Don't let go, daddy. I let go 20 minutes ago. 
You know, sometimes the Lord is just like that with us. Where we're saying, oh Lord, don't let go. Don't let go. And he's like, I'm, I'm not going to leave you or forsake you. But I've saved you to be able to grow. You know, once they learn to ride the bike, then, then they start to go further and further and further on their own. They don't need you running beside them anymore. God wants us to grow, not to become self-dependent, but simply to be able to walk as we should, to be able to run the race that has been set before us, to be able to be that ambassador that we need to be, to bring him glory, to bring him praise, to point others to him. Hananiah was faithful in the fact that he was simply reliable. Are we a person that can be trusted? If somebody came to speak to us about something in confidence, can we be trusted? Are we reliable? Or is the first thing we do, we're like, oh, I can't wait to tell somebody else. Are we that upright person? If not, then we need to develop that so that we can grow in spiritual maturity. Uh, We've seen that faithfulness in, in Daniel. Faithfulness in his, in his walk, that um, standing fast, that being firm. We've seen Hananiah, that faithfulness, uh, being sure, reliable, true, uh, a faithfulness in his work. And then finally, in the New Testament, the word faithful is the Greek word pistos, which means worthy of trust. In 1 Corinthians chapter 4, and verse 17, we see uh, Paul talking to the Corinthian church about sending Timothy in 1 Corinthians 4 and verse 17. He says, For this cause have I sent unto you Timotheus, who is my beloved son, and faithful in the Lord, who shall bring you into remembrance of my ways, which be in Christ as I teach everywhere in every church. Timothy was worthy of trust. He was faithful Paul wanted to make sure that these believers in Corinth were going in the right spiritual direction. Paul knew that the right doctrine affects how a person acts, how a person behaves. And he knew that Timothy would be the right person to to be able to help. Why? Because he was faithful, because he was worthy of trust. We see the same thing in 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 12. 1 Peter 5 and verse 12. It says, By Silvanus, a faithful brother unto you, as I suppose I have written briefly, exhorting and testifying that this is the true grace of God wherein ye stand. Uh, Silvanus, a faithful brother, someone who was worthy of trust. Peter mentions Silvanus, the, the messenger of the letter, and uh, you know we recognize that that is uh, possibly Silas, uh, the one who spent so much time uh, with Paul. And Peter referred to him as a faithful brother. Could somebody say that about us? Oh, they are faithful. They are dependable. They, you know, if I was in a, if I was in a fix, that's the first person I would go to. You know, when I started off in, in my ministry... Um, I didn't have a pastor, um, so when I got called to preach, my pastor got called back to America. Um, So I was left without a pastor, 
So when I went into the ministry at, at Bethany, I didn't have a mentor. I didn't have anybody that I could turn to. Um, but the Lord provided me with one person. And he just so happens to be your pastor today. And the Lord had put Pastor Moore in my path. And every time I had an issue in the ministry, I knew that he was dependable enough that I could phone him and ask for help. And it was only on a few occasions that he would laugh at me. I remember phoning him up one time. I had an issue in the church and I phoned him up and I wanted to ask for some advice and some help. He laughed so much he put the phone down on me. And then he phoned me back and came down to the church and helped me with the issue that I had. Are we a faithful and dependable person like a Timothy, like a Silas, somebody that we could be depending on? If somebody else was in a fix, would, I, would we be the first name that they thought of? Would we be the name that oh, I know will help me? I know we'll be able to, you know, to sort this out. I know who I could go to. I know I could trust. I know who I could depend on. We ought to be that person. God wants us to be that person. Because guess what? The Christian walk is tough. The Christian race is a long one. And it's hard. But God has put us together because in accordance with Galatians, we are meant to bear one another's burdens. And by doing that, we are fulfilling the law of Christ. Do we bear one another's burdens or do we add to one another's burdens? Are we faithful? Are we that worthy of trust type of person? If we're not, then that's something we need to work on. That's something that, again, with the scripture, God gives us the tools that we need in order to be able to help our growth and our development as believers in Christ, as children of God. Christ is worth believing in. Christ is worth serving. Christ is worth living for every single day. And Christ is our utmost example of faithfulness. He was faithful in his determination to obey God the Father. If you keep my commandments, you shall abide in my love, even as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. We are to obey the word of God. Now, we might not always understand the word of God, and that's okay. But here's the issue I have. I I, I don't have an issue with the word I don't understand. I have an issue with the parts of Scripture that I do understand. So let's work on that first. Let's work on the bits that we do understand and apply that to our hearts and lives. Because we are to grow in faithfulness. To be that type of person that is dependable. Christ is worthy of our confidence because he was faithful. Are we growing today? Are we wanting to grow? Have we got to a point where we think, yeah, I'm happy where I am. You know, I go to church, that's fine. I do my devotions in the morning, I pray, I tithe, I give the missions, I I do all of that. But is that what we think is the height of spiritual maturity? Because it doesn't matter whether you are a toddler or whether you are in the twilight years. We still have the opportunity 
to grow. Why? Because we never, ever, ever reach spiritual perfection until Christ calls us home to glory. And until he calls us home to glory, we've got to grow. Grow in the grace and knowledge of Christ. Grow the spiritual maturity. We can work on our boldness. We can work on our faithfulness. And we need to be faithful men today. Faithful in all that we do. Because there's too many wolves in sheep's clothing, as it were. There's too many charlatans. There's too many hypocrites in the world. What the world needs to see is a genuine believer in Christ. Because Christ makes the difference every time. Christ is the difference in our lives. We haven't turned over a new leaf. We haven't worked on, you know, our behavior. We have become new creatures. Therefore, if any man is in Christ, he's a new creature. All things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. We are new creatures. And as a result, new creatures develop new attitudes, new ways. And we change. Once we become saved, we don't suddenly become absolutely perfect. We become a work in progress. I don't know if you have the children's chorus over here. He's still working on me to make me what I ought to be. You know, we're not what we were, but we're not what we could be. So there's always room for improvement. The first thing we've got to admit is that we need that improvement. You know, we don't like to admit that we're wrong. We don't like to admit that we're lost. We will never stop and ask for directions. Well, men certainly don't ever stop and ask for directions. We would rather drive 100 miles detour rather than admit to our wives that, yes, dear, you were right and I was wrong. It's not until we admit that we are lost that we can start to find our way back. I'm fed up with women telling me what to do. Even the sat-nav has got a woman's voice. You're like, ah, oh, turn around when possible. But it's not until we say, right, okay, I need help in this area of my life. This part of my life needs development. This part of my life needs work. And it's like anything. The more we do, the more we practice, the better we become. You know, whether it's any kind of sport, whether it's soccer or whether it's rugby or, or whatever it is, those people train and train and train so they know their moves. And, you know, you've got professional football players who have been paid like a gazillion pound a second who still go to training. And you're like, well, if you're that good, why do you need to go to training? Because even professional football players need to train. Even the most seasoned Christian needs to work on their walk. We all do because we're a work in progress. So let's grow in the grace and knowledge of Christ so that a lost and dying world outside of these walls will see something so different in us that they will say, I need what they have because they're different. And that difference is Christ. Are we faithful in our walk like Daniel was? If not, we can work on it. Are we faithful in our, in, in our work like Hananiah was? If not, we can work on it. Are we faithful in our worship like Timothy and 
Silas were. If not, we can work on that. And as a result, we can bring glory to the Lord by the way we live our lives. Let's pray. Father, thank you again for this day, for this time together, and for this opportunity, Lord, just to gather around you a word. Father, we are so thankful that that we've been saved, but we're thankful, Lord, that you haven't just left us to, to fend for ourselves. You've given us the Spirit of God. You've given us the Word of God. You've given us uh, uh, teachers and pastors and evangelists. You've given us a church to be a part of. You've given us fellow laborers. You've given us a, a, a help uh, along this journey. And Father, we are indeed without excuse when it comes to our growth. So Lord, would you help us tonight? You know the hearts of every person here tonight, Lord. You know my heart. You, you know the areas of our lives that need a little bit of work. So, Father, would you just help us, convict us, show us what it is that we're doing wrong so we can ask for your help to put that right. Lord, would you just help us to be the type of believer that we need to be to bring you glory and to point others to Christ. Again, if there's somebody here tonight or listening online that has never trusted the Lord Jesus Christ as their Savior, Father, I just pray tonight would be that night that they would recognize that their sin stops them from going to heaven. But Christ paid the ultimate price on Calvary to pay for that sin so that heaven could indeed be their home. Father, would you just speak to hearts tonight and we'd be ever so mindful to give you all the glory, the honor and the praise. We love you and praise you in Christ's name. Amen.